So how many of you, now you know why he's the bad cop and I'm the good cop. Because <laughs> I told him, I said, you know, sometimes our kids are almost all grown and I still, sometimes I have to listen to him and go, ah. So I know, I know as, as parents of younger kids, it's easy to go, okay, I'm just going to build a bunker or I'm going to run away to an island. And how can I hear all this and not be scared? How can I hear all this and not despair? How can I hear all this and not, you know, uh, run toward unbelief all the time? You know, the whole centurion's prayer, um, you know, I believe but help my unbelief. Like, how do we not live in unbelief as it relates to this? And so I just want to remind y'all, um, and something that I've had to go back to time and time again is just that Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not return. I used to take that as, Melody, do everything perfectly and train up your child, and they will not return. And what I really see that, what I really see that as now is, you know, we are desperate for a savior. And even when we have, um, Christ living inside of us. That doesn't mean that we just feel totally confident in everything that we're doing. And so if marriage does not make you desperate for a savior, parenting can make you desperate for a savior. And so, you know, just if I were my age now talking to my younger me, you know, as a young parent, you know, I would say some things like, you know, continue to be desperate for the father. I think um, looking back, had I spent more time on my knees and less, you know, doing this, you know, how, how, how different I think some of my parenting would have been. Um, because it's very easy to just live in fear. And, and I think we're living in a time and age where it's harder as a parent because of technology. There's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of technology being redeemed. But it is harder as a parent because we are having to monitor a lot. I mean, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have to worry about, you know, cell phones and digital safety and, and that type of thing. But it's also harder as, as a child. And so we're going to talk about some of those hardships, but we're also going to talk about how we can connect in that time. And so and that's kind of what My Secure Family is all about. It's really keeping families connected in a day and age where it really is easy. I mean, if we wanted to, with the six of us, we have four children, we could all sit in, in the living room, on the sofas, in the chairs and be doing this all night long if we wanted to. You know, and everybody in their own little space, in their own little world with their devices. So what we really are passionate about is really continuing to keep families connecting and how y'all can raise your children up in this um, culture that is very digitally and technology savvy and not, um, not despair. Okay? So this is did you want to say something? Okay. So this is what we don't want you to do. And I know it's hard after just hearing everything that Trey said that you just, you just want to freak out. And, and again, looking back, you know, years ago, I wish somebody had said that early on. And it's not just don't freak out as it relates to, to technology. It's the more that we can calm ourselves down and realize that God is sovereign and he's writing the stories of our children how differently our parenting can be as we step into this, okay? Well, so, let's talk about what freaking out might look like. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier shame and how often, especially as around this topic, we can bring and do shame-based parenting uh, very, very quickly if we're not careful. So here's maybe a, something that may look like. So let's say uh, you've got uh, your third grader, and let's say they ride the bus 
and they come off the bus, they drop their book bag, you're at the, you're at the kitchen counter with, at the dishes, and your back is to them, they throw their book bag down, and they say, Mommy, what's masturbation? Now, if Mommy freaks out or Dad freaks out, it may look like, where did you hear that? We don't use that kind of language in this house. And they and, and basically just ramp it up and, and just try to shut down that question. Now, let's first of all say, we got to be honest with what that evokes in us as a parent. To see or hear our innocent child with that word coming out of their mouth. And it may be another word. It may be you know, a four-letter word you know, that they've heard. And they, they're just curious to know what it is. If we freak out... Now what was a so-so curiosity now becomes a big-time curiosity. On top of that, they feel like they've done something wrong. What did I do wrong that evoked that type of response in mom or in dad? There must be something wrong with me. But here's what it also does. Do you think the question went away? As soon as they can probably get to Google, they're wondering now really what masturbation is. And I guarantee you, Google's response is most likely not going to be the Christ-centered biblical worldview uh, that you would have given them had you answered that question. So as we go into this response, the main thing we want to say to you as a parent is it's imperative for you to be the safe place for your child. To be able to talk about whatever. Now it goes back to what I said earlier though, most of us are still waiting for the talk And so this is not an area that maybe we're super comfortable already. Many of us, let's just put our children aside for a second and talk about just the relationship in marriage. A lot of times, you know, we do a lot of marriage stuff as well. And it's amazing how many couples have never talked about how they grew up as it related to how sex and sexuality was discussed and talked about. We just kind of don't talk about it. Now we get married and we just assume that everything's just going to work out in our household. And maybe that's fine when you're just the two of you, but now children come along and they're curious. And now this topic that's never really been properly engaged in the home, now we've got a son or daughter that are as a sexual being. You know, let's just let that sink in. Our children are sexual beings, right? It doesn't just they don't just become sexual beings at 18 or 21 or or 32. Some of you dads want to be 32, right? Um, they're sexual beings and we've got to shepherd uh, that part of their being um, as well. But for most of us, it never happened for us. And so there's already a lot of shame maybe around that. So so as it relates to engaging the hearts of our children, and this is for another another seminar, but let me just put it out there. For some of us, it means getting in touch with our own hang-ups about our own sex, sexuality, and hang-ups about how, you know, maybe abuse from our past and things that we just got some really wounded places that we need to be healed Because if we don't, guys, it will carry over to our children. Our children will pick up the negative uh, vibes that we have about that topic. It It will happen. So that may be something else that we need to... But freaking out certainly drives the question underground and does not create the safety that we want to have with our children to be able to come to us with whatever their question. Well, and as it relates to what Trey was just saying about... Um, getting on the same page as, as, as a team, 
you know, um, Trey grew up a certain way, I grew up a certain way. And so again, if we don't have those conversations, now in the back of our heads, we're either believing this narrative about our spouse or we're... Uh, you know, off to the races to try to figure, you know, basically control the outcome of what it's going to look like. And so, you know, having young children and some of the real healthy conversations that can come out of this is, let's talk about, you know, if we, if we have truly leaved and cleaved, now we, we don't have to defend the family that we came from because it's really team lover now or it's team whatever your last name is. And so let's, it, let's put those things aside and just say, what do we love about what, what we experienced growing up? Okay? And then what did we not like that maybe we don't want to implement those things? Maybe we can learn from some of those experiences and we can say, well, this is what we want to do. Okay? One of the things that I loved growing up was that my parents tucked us in bed all the time. That was something that I really wanted to take into... Um, raising our children is that I took the time um, when when we were together we did that as a family um, when we weren't together that was just something intentional it didn't matter how tired I was that was those were nuggets that I would get from my kids at nighttime where I really felt like I was getting um, little nuggets about what what was going on in their lives but it also perspective and, and opportunities so getting on the same page about that, that doesn't mean um, my family was right and your family is wrong. My family is really communicative and yours isn't. Let's just decide what Team Lovern wants to be. Um, John 10.10 10 says, A thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And there is no, no more spiritual warfare that comes around when we're trying to parent and we're trying to get on the same page. Because if we're not communicating about it, then what the narrative that I can begin to believe is, He's just passive aggressive. He's just got his head in the sand. It's all, if it's to be, it's up to me. And, you know, here I go, despairing, trying to make it work. So just coming back time and time again, and even if you want to write out, like, here are three or four things that we really want to implement. So when the enemy is coming, and he's going to, he's either hunting me, our our pastor always says, Bob Flayer, the enemy is hunting here, the enemy is hunting here, and definitely the enemy is hunting right here. And if he's not there, then he's going to be hunting our kids. And so we want to frame that there first and foremost. So we can go back to the garden. And as we're reading those Bible stories with our kids, we can let them, we can bring them into the enemy is hunting. So when they make mistakes, we want to frame it in that. It's not just about making good choices. Okay, that we really do have an enemy that is hunting them. And so we can take them back to that, keeping them desperate for a savior. So again, just what does team, what does team lover and for your household look like? Like what is it that we really want to do? This is really important to me. Whether that's having dinner two or three or four times a week. I don't, I don't know that we live in, maybe y'all have young kids so that you're still eating dinner all together. Or sometimes is all standing up around the island just trying to get, you know, some time together because our kids are older and we have, six schedules many times. But I think just, again, framing it that the enemy is, is hunting. So it's, so again, some of that takes a little bit of pressure off of me that, again, it's not all up to me, that it keeps us desperate for a Savior. But then what does it look like for, for the team to come together? And when that narrative is, okay, my husband's been out of town, he's not checked in, you know, he's not communicating with the kids, I can go, no, this is what we decided together. You know, this this brings this kind of settles me down, and we can have more and more conversations about that. So, real quickly, 
Oh, scripture, you want to go yeah, to that? Yeah, this, as we get into this response, just a reminder, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Because obviously, with all the stats and everything, the fear was rising. You know, that desire to move to that remote island or cut off the cable or internet uh, when you get home, all of those things, very, very legitimate and real. But just understand that we have a Heavenly Father, that nothing that we're going through has escaped His notice. Uh, technology is not outside the realm of, of His understanding. Um, and so we can bring Him into that as we, as we strive to parent uh, and shepherd well the hearts of our children and, and really engage them uh, like Melody was talking about. And again, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be fearful. We're going to be fearful. But what are we doing in that? You know, if I can, if I can you know... Just being able to articulate some of those fears to my husband, to me, the, it doesn't have the power over me that it does if I'm in my head trying to figure it all out. Okay? Yeah. Why don't you so, do this one? Um, yeah, there, the, when we are living in fear, there's kind of two different responses that come out of fear-based. One is going to be um, denial, and one of them is going to be hypervigilance. Okay, some of you maybe even listening to Trey, you're finding yourself maybe wanting to check out because you know, or or, or go to sleep because it's just hey, so overwhelming. Say? What would you say? No. <laughs> so anyway, but denial and hypervigilance, and their messages that our kids get out of e- e- out of each one of those. So denial communicates, I don't care, and hypervigilance communicates, I don't trust you. Okay, so that passive aggressiveness sometimes that we that we might shrink back from. I don't know technology; it's overwhelming. It's past me. You know, we've got to step into those places. And again, an opportunity where we can bring our kids in, who many times know a lot more than us, and that's an opportunity to connect. So, a lot of the things Trey, I will say, is a lot more technology savvy than I am. So, some of what we've done, some of what I've done with my kids is let's sit down, let's talk about Snapchat, let's see what the internet says about Snapchat, let's see the pros, let's see the cons. And I'm doing that with my kids. What have you seen at school that's been really positive? What have you seen at school or heard at school about the negativity around Snapchat? Now I'm engaged with my kid and I'm learning at the same time. So I don't have to be 15 steps ahead of them anymore. Now we really get to learn and connect together. Back to what Melody was saying earlier about being a team and having a plan. Um, This is opportunity, obviously, for discord in marriage because Mm -hmm. what happens when one parent is on the denial side and one parent is on the hypervigilant side? Do you think the enemy can't use that as an opportunity to drive a wedge? You know, and it, maybe even after you leave what you're going to be hearing tonight and tomorrow, it may even ramp up the hypervigilant one. Did you not hear what they were talking about? I mean, how can you still be in denial? I mean, we've got, we've got to double down here, you know. And so just to be aware, our enemy is hunting. And, and even we'll use some good things to begin to drive a wedge. And it's important to, to not... You know, if you feel like your spouse maybe is in more of the denial, and like Melody said, feel like, well, I've just got to be even more hypervigilant because I'm having to do it for both of us because I've got a spouse who's kind of asleep at the wheel. And now there begins to be resentment and what have you uh, going on here. So just two ditches out of our fear. Yeah, and one of the, again, one of the things where I, I feel like the enemy doesn't get a foothold is when we can begin to um, be vulnerable with one another around this. So again, naturally 
naturally, our, our flesh loves to spend time in the areas that we're good at, right? And we like to kind of shrink back from the places that we're not. And so it's very easy for maybe Trey to step into that tech-savvy world and be like, you know, why aren't you doing more around tech, you know, technology and blah, blah, blah. But what if, what if we're able to come together and, and I can say, well, help me lock down the devices. Because we don't live in a day and age where it's like mom, you know does this and dad does this you know mom cleans the house and and dad does the outside work it's like we've already decided we're team lover right so we've got to both be engaged together when we first got remarried trey was traveling a lot so it wasn't like oh let's wait until dad comes in town to have this talk and so it was just let's let's have this talk and it would be trey and i talking on the road sometimes when he was traveling and just stepping into those places So this is just uh, something to consider. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. Relationship, though, minus rules uh, equals chaos. Mm -hmm. And so as we're trying to effectively engage the hearts of our children, you know, to strike that balance, our children don't need a best friend, right? They need a parent. And more and more in our culture, I think more parents are just trying to be their child's best friend rather than really being the parent. Because when we are the parent, um, it provides the safety and it provides uh, a boundary where the kid actually knows. I can't tell you how many kids, you know, they're acting out is actually screaming for a boundary. They're screaming for something to bump up against. And when parents are just trying to be uh, the nice guys, it's very, very disconcerting because the kid doesn't have any boundaries. and And it's like, it's a scary world, you know. Even if they don't like the boundary, it does provide uh, some safety and security uh, for them. So just a reminder with that. We're just going to go through some of these things just as a basically, um, you know, it's kind of grace-based parenting 101. Uh, this is all right. We're not trying to raise good little Pharisees. Let that sink in just a little bit. Because for all of us as parents, the temptation is to look very, very closely at the outward behavior. And certainly we want certain behaviors. But we want those behaviors flowing out of their heart, not just being rote Pharisees, rule followers. Right? We're not just trying to raise good little Pharisees. Now, this is where we got to be honest as parents. The, the children that we have often expose where our hearts are. Right? Um, we, I was going to tell a story, but probably for lack of time, won't get into that. But just I've seen where parents, because they get embarrassed, maybe because of a child's behavior and the shaming techniques that happen, but it's really all about the parent. And the wounding that they do to their child because in that moment the behavior, they were basically just being a child. But yet, the other adults in the room, the parent feels exposed, and then out of that, they wound. And so, just a reminder, because I think technology, unlike maybe anything else, is going to really bring this to the surface. Is we And yes, we need to have rules, we need to have parameters and all that, but what I'm trying to say is don't miss the heart of the matter. That's what we're really engaging, is shepherding their hearts. Not just being, these are the rigid rules, and this is what's, what's got to happen or else. It's about the relationship um, and, and really engaging their heart. 
Yeah, and not just engaging their heart. You know, when, when I think I know a lot of you parents in here, you're, you're young, and so you know when a, when our when we first have babies and we're trying, you know, we know they're vulnerable. We know they can't do anything for themselves. We're we're beginning to protect them ourselves, and we're giving them immunizations. And then as they get older, we're teaching them how to eat healthy. And so there's this kind of not necessarily order, but we're we're building strong, resilient kids. You know, to be healthy and to eat healthy and to exercise and um, biblical, learning biblical truths. Well, in the area of technology, we want to do the same thing. We want to go back to Scripture and, and, and bring in the Scripture of what it does. We want to teach them the tools that they need to have in their, their belt so that, you know, I think for, for our parents, it was like they felt like they were protecting us because we were around them all the time. And there wasn't a whole lot that needed to protect us when we were away. Well, with technology, we want to give them the tools in their tool belt so that when they're at home or when they're at the McDonald's or when they're at the library or at school, friends, on the bus, they know what those tools are to implement those. So we're wanna tr- we want to train our kids to be courageous, to um, be influencers, and, and, and Trey will, and I will probably share some stories tomorrow about just kids at very, very young ages being able to make decisions that really empower and create confidence so that Again, so they're, they're like, wow, I can do this. And wow, I can be an influencer. And wow, I know that the enemy's hunting. And this is what it looks like to step into some of those places that are going to protect me. You know, we've got two stories in Scripture. We've got Joseph who fled. And we've got David. So we've got, you know, with Bathsheba. So we've got opportunities in Scripture to even take them just to say, again, that reminder of the enemy is hunting. And, and we want we want to give them the tools necessary so that they feel equipped whether they're with us and when they're and when they're not. So let's look at a we looked at the fear based reaction. Let's look at the grace based response um, and what that and what that looks like. Um, you know, one just under we're not in control of how our kids turn out. Mm-hmm. That's stinky, right? It's like wait, if I'll just do this and follow the formula, then this is always going to be the guarantee. You know, somebody said uh, about six months ago, and it really resonated with me uh, as it relates to this particular point. You know, Adam and Eve, their parent was God. And they blew it. And they had a perfect parent, right? Um, And so I think sometimes the shame we feel as parents, if our children are not meeting expectations or turning out a certain way. And I know y'all are very, very young, so you haven't had a lot of years to really kind of maybe step into that, but maybe already there's, there's expectations and, and things, maybe even if they're unspoken. But just to give some of you some grace for yourself that you're not totally 100% responsible for how your children turn out. Now, do we have a role to play? Absolutely. Does that mean we shirk responsibility? Absolutely not. But just remember that you don't have to shoulder all that yourself. Um, You've got a spouse. You've got, uh, I mean, just God is writing their story. And and he is writing a good story Hmm. as well. So just wanted to remind you of that as well. Melody kind of already touched on this, getting on the same page as a couple and how important that is because if we don't, that's definitely a place that the enemy can drive a wedge. And it may be that one of the takeaways for tonight is, hey, we need to press pause. And, And while your children are young... Take this opportunity to really begin to have some good dialogue mm-hmm. as to how was sex and sexuality discussed in your home? Was it ever talked about? 
what was modeled by your parents. That would be some really good dialogue with your spouse if you've never done that. Or maybe if you haven't done it in a while. You know, because that, that's, that discussion is going to provide the foundation for what you guys together decide to do uh, in your home. Because unfortunately, most Christian homes, it's a don't ask, don't tell. And it's just kind of, we're going to just figure it out. And then all of a sudden the kids are 17 and it's never really... And now we've got another generation that's still waiting for the talk. And by the way, tomorrow, I keep saying the talk, we're going to talk about the conversation. It's got to be more than a talk. Okay? It's got to be an ongoing conversation uh, full of intentionality, but also sometimes it's just, okay, here we go. It came out of left field, but we've got to engage uh, in this moment. So definitely very important uh, to get on the same page as a couple. And, and I think y'all probably have kids um, that are, some of them are doing that, where they're going to try to test, you know, let's see what I can get away with. Maybe mom said no, but maybe I can go ask dad and mom won't even know about it. And, you know, so they're very smart. Yeah. <laughs> so just know that, they'll, that that will definitely be the case around technology as well. Yeah, this is a biggest steward of your scars. And this, I want to give a, a quick plug to our podcast. Uh, we've got 140 episodes. Uh, uh, we've been doing this since 2013. But Chad Bird, um, he, um, he wrote a book called Night Driving, um, something of a prodigal soul. I forget the way the title goes. But he's, he's got a new book out that I'm reading now called Your God is Too Glorious, where he talks about God in the mundane. But this is a term, this is the name of that particular episode, Be a Good Steward of Your Scars. Um, Chad was a Hebrew professor at a seminary and uh, had a moral failure, and his whole book is about uh, what he learned about the gospel and kind of being restored and going through a lot of that. And so how does this relate to parenting? We're not suggesting that we back a dump truck up and tell our kids every awful thing we've ever done. Okay, definitely not an advocate for that. But we're also, uh, we, what we are saying, though, is not to give this pristine, everything is great, and mom and dad have never had a struggle. Mm-hmm. That is so prevalent in a lot of Christian parenting, you know, and the, and kind of the thinking behind that goes well. If I tell my child about my struggle in that area, then that's going to give them permission to go there themselves, and I don't want that. So basically, what it comes across is to the kid is, well, mom and dad have never had a struggle that amounted to anything. And so what happens if that's their mindset? What happens when they do have a real struggle in middle school? They often don't come to mom and dad because as far as they know, mom and dad have never related to anything like they're going through. Or maybe they're even feeling shame because I've got perfect parents. I should not be going through what I'm going through because based on what I see from mom and dad, they've always, everything's just worked out for them. And so what we're suggesting here is we're a good story of our scars is that it kind of goes back to being honest about the broken world that we live in. And certainly not divulging, you know, gory details about past mistakes, but certainly also not presenting this idea to our children that mom and dad have never struggled with anything. We need to be able to relate to their humanity in that realm. And that's just a gospel premise. Right To be able to point them to a Savior as well. So that when they do have problems, that we're actually modeling that for them. Because of the way they see us dealing with our own struggles, insecurities, uh, sin, whatever. They need to see us actively repenting in the home. You know, when we blow it. You know, how do we, how do we repent 
very quickly, hopefully, from those things. So we're modeling those kind of things in the home as well. But just point being here with this slide is not creating this culture in our home that presents this idea to our kids that mom and dad have never struggled and have never done anything um, that was wrong. It's kind of almost like a mask within the home, right? The appropriate authenticity with them creates that safety and also relatability that they say, you know what, mom and dad have been open and talked to me about this. You know, ours kind of just because of our story and our kids knowing what was going on, it just kind of was natural for us because they knew uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, what had, had undone our marriage and then got to experience the coming back together. But in doing that, we certainly couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube and pretend everything is great and wonderful, you know. Um, but also that's been a gift. But I just encourage you guys, you know, to because if it's true that God loves us where we are, we don't have to hide. And we can create a culture in our home where our children don't feel like they have to hide either. And that does so much to dissipate shame before it starts. Because what really can be, what they lock around the shame is, there's something wrong with me. I can't live up to that. I'm not as good as that. And usually whatever that is, it's usually a highlight reel. And we often in church compare our worst with everybody else's highlight reel. We don't want our children comparing their worst with mom and dad's highlight reel. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, and one of the things I think that I've learned that, that's harder as a parent, um, you know, even coming from like educational background, is you're used to problem solving. You know, they scrape their knee, they run inside, and what do you do? You go get the Band-Aid, you go get the antibiotic, and whatever else it looks like to, to fix that, because you want to fix that, and you want them to be out of pain. Well, when it's emotional um, pain, many times we try to kind of do the same things. And one of the things that I've kind of learned through, throughout the years is what does it look like for me to validate the pain that they're in? Not, oh, quit crying, or oh, you know, button it up, or whatever that looks like, to be able to validate what, what it is that they're struggling with. Um, when we go in and we speak at youth groups and we right out of the gate say, I cannot imagine how hard it must be for you guys never being able to get a reprieve from social media and technology. And when I say that, it's almost like they go from this defensive posture to, you know, not that I fully get what they've experienced, but there's something about validating and stepping into those vulnerable places with them. I remember when our daughter was in middle school and we had just moved our kids from private school, Westminster, to we moved them all. We were like, for the most part, we were in this little bubble for many, many years. And um, I moved them in sixth and seventh and ninth and grade, ninth and tenth grade, all at the same time in public school. And it was very overwhelming. And so it was very easy for me to just kind of jump into fix mode. And I remember my daughter coming home in tenth grade. It was a real hard transition for her because, you know, you're, you transition normally like sixth grade or ninth grade. Everybody moves into those new grades. And she was in tenth grade and couldn't play sports for that one year. She had to sit out. And I remember, like, her coming home and me just kind of feeling the angst that she was feeling and wanting to problem solve. She was like, Mom, will you just sit in this with me? And so we just cried together. And it was this moment where, you know, I had to kind of, you know, sometimes like I have to jump into the bathroom and and, uh, preach the gospel to myself so then I can preach the gospel to them, you know, and really um, walk in those emotions together. But it is very easy as a parent to jump into those just 
there's a problem, let's fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an emotional thing, let's fix it. Or, you know, somebody's been bullied, let's go tell the teacher. And so just, again, not that you're not going to be doing some of those things, but being able to step into those places that are hard and hanging on to ourselves. And then, again, preaching the gospel to ourselves so that we can shepherd the hearts of our kids well is, is, is something that I'm continuing to learn. So this slide, setting higher goal than simply getting your child to the altar as a virgin. Now, what do I mean by that? Yeah, for most Christian families, it's like that's the pinnacle of success. Now, the problem with that is a lot of shaming techniques can come in. You know, a lot of fear-based parenting, a lot of threatening, you know, like you know, showing how horrible, you know, venereal disease and STDs and all the other things, just, you know, scaring them to death about sex, you know, trying, because again, if our goal is just for them to not have sex until they get married, then, and a lot of our parents may have done that, you know, tried to scare us away from, from sex. Well, the problem with that is now at the, and I guess it's in the punch at the, at the reception at the wedding, you know, now all of a sudden this thing that we've been just totally, you know, frightened about and, and told to avoid like the plague, now all of a sudden we're supposed to blissfully enjoy the rest of our life, you know? And we wonder why there's struggles in marriage and whatever because we never really talk about it. We don't talk about it often with kids and we don't, you know, it's just never, it's just kind of this, this thing that's this, you know, okay, it just fixes itself. But we've got to have a higher standard for our children than just getting them to the altar as a virgin. And it gets back to engaging their hearts. Because if that is our only goal, then it's going to be very quick and easy to go to some shame-based tactics to make sure that they don't have sex. Right? But it's not just about, again, it's about their heart, not just about the outward behavior. And certainly that's a goal. You know, certainly we don't want them, but it's not just because, again, how that makes us feel or look or whatever, all the, the cultural type stuff. It's more about we want what's best for them. And, and from an early age, we're teaching them this is God's design. It's the best design. It's what's best for you. Then now there's a whole different framework instead of it just don't, 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 don't. And when we go into college campuses and we talk about sex, we do this a number of times at Samford. If we just agree to the culture's view of sex and it's all about the orgasm and it's all about positions and techniques, the same article is on the cover of every Cosmo magazine. You know, it's like every month they regurgitate the same article. You know, 25 tips this, 20, it's the same article because that's the highest pinnacle that culture has. Our enemy is a counterfeiter. He's never invented anything in his life. And he's trying to distort God's beautiful gift. We must raise the bar in talking to our kids about sex and sexuality to this beautiful picture, this yada, this, this mysterious union between you know, two flesh becoming one and God being in the middle of that. It is a beautiful connection. But there's mystery there. There's awe there. And that's why it's so precious. And when our children begin to see sex and sexuality in those terms, it is blatantly obvious why there are parameters around it. But when all they see is tips and techniques and orgasm and all it's just about that, then it's easy to get this idea, well, why do we not get to have the fun in all the, the world? I mean, it's like, because that's all we're talking about. We've got to elevate the conversation. I encourage you on our podcast, episode 40, Local therapist Malia Stevens, it's a, the title of it is Healthy Sexuality. And she does a beautiful job of describing yada 
the Hebrew concept of yada. It's one of the most beautiful descriptions of, of healthy sexuality that I've ever heard. I encourage you guys, you know, especially as your kids are young, you know, begin to arm yourself with some of that so that when you do begin to have these conversations, you are painting all this in the right way. And it also, back to what we said earlier, it may bring up some things that maybe you guys need to be talking about as a couple again. Wow, I've never seen sex that way. You know, I want to have a better understanding of sex because that's only going to be healthy as it relates to your parenting, right? Because we can't have one view of sex over here and then flip a switch and something else is going to come out in our parenting. Do you understand that our parenting is going to be an overflow of our attitudes towards sex and sexuality are going to flow out uh, to our children and they're going to pick up those, those concepts. And tomorrow we'll talk a lot about how some of these conversations can be had. Even some of the books that, one, one of the things that we love is a lot of the tools and a lot of the books that we share with parents starts as early as, say, like two and three years old. And, you know, whereas we were kind of fumbling along when our kids were like two and three and four and five or whatever. So the books and a lot of the tools that are out there today really help parents. They're, they're taking a lot of the guesswork out, and it's really more about just getting these tools and being able to implement them with your kids. This is an obvious one, manage screen time. Thankfully, because of some of the technology we're going to talk about tomorrow, managing screen time is easier than it's ever been. Yeah. Okay. There's some technology out there that actually helps parents. Because we used to teach manage screen time, manage screen time, but a lot of parents are like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? There are more screens than I've ever seen. How are we supposed to monitor? I can set time limits, but how am I supposed to go in and and know how long they've been on this or that or whatever? Well, now uh, we're going to be talking about a a technology called Circle tomorrow. It's a great piece of technology that allows you to monitor real time. I can take my iPhone right now, look at our Circle app, and tell you what my kids' uh, technology usage was today. Or maybe Uh, what they're doing right now. Exactly. (laughs) Um, it's kind of cool if anybody comes over to our house and they connect to our Wi-Fi, I'm alerted on my phone. So it's like so-and-so has joined your network. And so I know, oh, Adair's over there, you know, whatever. I know who's, who's at the house. So when we're traveling and speaking, that kind of comes in handy at times. So just real quickly in our last few minutes, we have just age-appropriate dialogue. You know, Melody said, you know, some of this we're going to be talking about tomorrow is even as early as two and three. So don't think, you know, wow, they talked a lot about teens and tweens and, and older kids. I don't know if tomorrow, tomorrow is equipping you as parents with tools and resources, even resources that how to have these dialogues, how to begin these conversations. So you're not starting with a blank sheet of paper, and but you really have some good tools of how to, but all of it obviously age-appropriate. Appropriate, and I think that's it. I guess that was it. Yep. So, yeah, we've any got a questions, few questions that y'all may have? How are we on time? We've got about ten minutes. Is that what y'all got? Ten okay. to eight. Does anybody have a question that they want to ask now? We're going to spend a good bit of time tomorrow literally walking through a lot of the tools that y'all can begin to use with your kids right now. And like I said, we have at our hands now more than ever because I feel like when our kids were younger, it was I was just trying to figure it out and pull what little resources that we did have. But there's so many incredible resources and so many um, other organizations that we collaborate with. Um, There was a a while where I'm like, oh, we need to write this article on how parents need to talk to their kids about porn. And we did do some of that. But now there's so much that we're not having to spend a lot of time writing and rewriting this curriculum. It's like, oh, wait, that book is really great. Let's get that book. Okay, this Bible study is really good. Okay, let's get that. And so we've done some of that work to vet some of these materials. So we feel like what we'll be talking about tomorrow will be really helpful for you guys. 
So if you all have any questions, you want to maybe take one or two questions right now? Yeah, do you or, have your phone? Um, yeah. So if anybody has texted in a question or maybe if you feel like you just want to raise your hand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we we pro- yeah, we will probably go into that more tomorrow, but yeah, we, that's not been our concept. Um, I mean there's some thing again touching on that. We'll get into more tomorrow, but it does need to be a conversation first of all cuz for those for most of us it has been around the talk. Um, and usually there's an age and I'm not saying there doesn't need to be intentional time maybe where let's say when a boy is going to I think there needs to be more initiation type things in our culture and so having some of those moments and milestones but what we can't do is just have everything about that well when he was 12 we had the talk Mm -hmm. well here's what I say to that with everything that I told you the tsunami that's coming at the family an onslaught day in and day out If we're thinking that one talk when they're 11, 12, 13, whatever age is going to circumvent everything that's coming at them, not only that they have experienced up until that point, but everything they're going to experience, that is some more talk. (laughs) That's putting a whole lot of pressure pressure. on one conversation, right? On them and on us. Yeah, so it's got to be an ongoing conversation. Some of that will be moments that are planned. Maybe there's some of that is father, son. Maybe it is mother, daughter. But I think it's very healthy just to have mom and dad talking to their daughter. Because sometimes when we segregate like that by sexes, that kind of this idea is, oh, well, this is, this is only what girls talk about. I think it just helps round out that we are human beings who are sexual beings, but that sexuality manifests itself in male and female. You know? And so I think it's, it is healthy you know, for dads to engage the hearts of their daughters you know, in appropriate ways, obviously, and then same with, with mothers and sons. So, and uh, not growing up with brothers, I can, it, it seemed like every time Trey was traveling, I got the questions and stuff. So I was like, and I remember my first question, I just shut the light off so that we were in the dark and I answered it so that he couldn't see my mouth being on the floor. But, um, but I learned very quickly. So um, anyway, yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll tell you all the, all the things that, that we did right and wrong and what we've learned and all that good stuff. Yeah, so yeah, there won't question. be any question that will we'll be off the table. So we're pretty wide open. Anything else? Yes. Undone, redone. Yep. Just, it's also the same name of our, of our... Actually, we had that name before um, we named our ministry. We changed the name of our ministry to Undone Redone. We had yeah. started the podcast with James Spann. Uh, he had a, a media... So he approached us about starting it. We weren't thinking about doing that. And um, so it's called Undone Redone. Do you can, um, <laughs> it's on Spotify now, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, um, Stitcher. If you're on an Android device, Stitcher is a good app uh, for yeah. that. But pretty much wherever you consume podcasts, you should be able to just search Undone Redone. And find it. So, yes, I can get those to you. We do have them online. I have updated them a little bit, so I'll make sure that uh, we get a new PDF of the. Yeah, and all the tools that we give you guys tomorrow will be online, but they'll also be on the sheet that we pass out tomorrow. Every podcast, every book, every thing that we talk about tomorrow, y'all leave with that in hand, so you can have a, a copy online if you go to our website, or you can actually leave with a hard copy. So. Absolutely. Good question. And if you have any questions during the night, if you wake up at 2, high, uh, two o'clock in the morning, yeah. hyperventilating, Save that in. just shoot me, a, shoot me a text, and we'll yeah. read those out, because I won't, I won't know who it is, yeah. so I'll just read those out loud tomorrow, and then we'll answer them live yeah. tomorrow. All right. Anything else? I'll, if not, I'll close this in prayer.
Well, you'll tell your friends if they, you know, yeah. tomorrow will be all practical, okay, getting into the tools, you know, talking about filtering and just a lot of things probably tonight you wanted to really get to. Uh, tonight we just want to lay a foundation. We really want to get into the response and just a gospel reminder about that because this is easy to get hypervigilant about this. And we go right into those tools and that just kind of leads into that hypervigilant. Okay, now I've got more tools with which to be hypervigilant, right? And, but, and it's not, we can be hypervigilant, just making sure the motivation is not fear, right? That's, that's the big thing, is making sure it's coming from a healthy place and not from a fear-based place. So let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for these men and women who have taken time out on a Friday night to, um, to learn really what's going on and also just how to effectively engage the heart of their children. So, Father, I lift up um, all the families that are represented here. I pray for their children. God, I do pray that you would supernaturally protect them from the evils that are out there. Lord, evil that, that is around every corner. And, there, Lord, it can be overwhelming as a parent because as soon as we feel like we've uh, built uh, some safeguards in one area, Lord, it's what we learn about another one, and it can be overwhelming. And so, Father, I pray that you would bolster the spirits of these parents, that they would not be overwhelmed, that they would not despair. But, Father, that they, uh, as never before, would run to you, uh, desperate uh, for you to show up in their own lives, but also in the lives of their children. Lord, help them uh, as parents. Lord, give them courage. Give them stamina. Give them uh, just real uh, insight and discernment as they... As they parent, Father, give them, give them strength for the long haul. Because, Lord, this is important stuff. You have called us to shepherd and steward uh, these precious gifts uh, that you've given us. So thank you for this church and being willing to address uh, this type of topic. Lord, we pray your blessings upon Red Mountain. Uh, just thank you for the staff here, for this congregation and the impact uh, that it's ha- having in this part of Birmingham. And uh, God, we pray that you would just bring us back tomorrow. And as we get into the practical tools, Lord, I pray that they might be utilized to, to safeguard the hearts of our children, Lord, and protect them from evil that otherwise would have um, connected with their hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Thanks, guys.